Warner Solicitors provide advice on a range of legal matters to individuals, families and businesses. The leading legal directories regularly recognise Warners as offering some of the best legal advice in the region. This series of podcasts will give you an insight into some of the legal issues that may affect you and your family. I'm Paul Harvey and welcome to the Warners Solicitors series of podcasts. And I'm delighted to introduce Gail Hall of Warners for this podcast. And we're going to be discussing preparing for older age. So welcome, Gail. Could you tell us, first of all, what you do with Warners? Thank you, Paul. I'm a partner in the private client team here at Warners. So I specialise in helping people draft their wills, um, lasting powers of attorney. I deal with the very sad occasions when a family have lost uh, loved ones and help with probates. And also I am a deputy for some people who have lost mental capacity and don't have any family members that can help them manage their affairs. And when we're talking about older age, we are living longer, aren't we, year on year. I mean, I believe that, you know, from information that more than half a million people are aged 90 and over in the UK. So what about kids that are born today? How long are they going to live? Well, the Office of National Statistics estimate that one in three babies born in Britain today will live to be over 100. And there are more than half a million people in this country who are aged 90 and over in the UK. I don't know if you know anyone who has become a centenarian but uh, and might have received a birthday card from the Queen. Her Majesty sent out in 2017 more than 10,000 birthday cards and had to have a team of seven people helping her to administer this service. <laughs> right, well that says it all. That sums it up very nicely. So what has all this got to do with me or you? You never know. You might be one of those centenarians. So I'm really encouraging you and anyone who's listening to this podcast to be prepared uh, for extra time. It can be a very expensive business getting old if you are in declining health. So no government for the last decade has had the appetite for getting to grips with the mounting cost of social care. And I read or saw actually on the news the other evening after the Queen's speech that the King's Fund, which is a charity that looks into funding of care and health and welfare, that adult social care is costing the country £23.3 billion per annum. So, as was expected, nothing substantial was announced in the Queen's speech to help people about social care for elderly people. We have a lot of clients who come to see us and a lot of telephone calls asking about uh, whether people are going to have to sell their house if they go into residential care to fund their care fees. So there is a, a note of optimism, I guess. If your spouse is over 65 years of age and or you have a child, either adult or young, who is disabled living in the property, it will not have to be sold, but you will still have to pay for your own care. There are various options open to you. Don't panic. You could look at equity release or a deferred payment agreement with your local authority or another family member could help. But none of these are particularly palatable and what you want to happen in an ideal world. And please do take specialist advice on this. 
Before you start to panic, ask your local authority to carry out a care needs assessment. It might take a few months to arrange, but persevere with asking for help from your local council and then ask for a financial assessment once it has been ascertained that you do actually need help. And please don't think you can give away your assets without again discussing this with a qualified solicitor or advisor, as there are serious pitfalls if you do this that can have drastic consequences, mostly centering around your finances and inheritance tax. So finally on this point, if you are struggling with health and care needs, please think about applying for the only non-means-tested benefit available called the Attendance Allowance because you could be eligible for either a lower or higher rate of payment. So there's a lot of preparation to be made for my old age, Gail. Now, what should I be preparing for in case things don't work out for me health-wise? Well, anybody at Warners, anyone in our team here could help you. But first of all, Come and see us and make sure that you have all your affairs, including legal matters, neat and tidy. An up-to-date will and a lasting power of attorney are key. I don't have time to cover LPAs here, but please listen to my colleague David Cooper's podcast on them. If you know you have a big inheritance tax bill looming on your death, please take advice as to how you could possibly mitigate it if that is what you want to do. And even if you think you don't have anything and you do not need a will, if you were to die in testable, the people you want to inherit might not get a look in with what you do have, with your estate passing to a strange family under what is called the rules of intestacy. So they're quite specialist and you do really need to take some advice on that. Also make sure that your will actually says what you want it to say. And if possible, don't let your family in for nasty shocks when you've died. What I'm really trying to get across here is that communication is the key. Firstly, come and talk to your solicitor. Secondly, talk to family members. You should really review your will every three to five years or sooner if your own family circumstances change, i.e. if there are three Ds, the divorce, debt or death um, unexpectedly hits one of your beneficiaries. If you've had a falling out with one of your children, and you know sadly that does happen, and you are so mad with them that you want to remove them from your will, please go and talk to your solicitor before you do anything precipitous. They can set out the potential consequences, such as claims being brought against your estate, and equally terrible, family members falling out for generations. You might even have life policies uh, tucked away. Don't forget about them. You may, may have taken out a policy many, many years before, very sensibly have it written into trust so it does not form part of your estate for inheritance tax but then you forget to review the named beneficiaries of the policy. Circumstances might have changed and the wrong person could be receiving a huge payout on your death. For instance someone could change their will to write out a child with whom they have recently had a disagreement but they might have clean forgotten that years before they'd taken out a life policy with that estranged child named as a beneficiary of that policy and the solicitor who tried to dissuade the client from altering the will would have been secretly probably delighted that the estranged child was after all going to receive something. So we live with more complex blended families nowadays. Please take advice as to whom you should be remembering in your will. For instance, should you leave money to step-grandchildren when you're leaving money to your own grandchildren if you are just as close to the steps as to the blood grandchildren? So as we are coming out of COVID and coming out of the pandemic, does this change any of the dynamics that you've just been talking about? Yes, it can make things very difficult that people haven't had a chance to review their wills. best thing to do is to telephone us and make an appointment we can doing zoom calls and uh, you know remote meetings and then people can come into the office now to see us as long as they have an appointment so you need to think also whether you know perhaps if you're cohabiting with somebody 
you haven't got round to getting married, for instance. A lot of people have found that. They say, well, yes, we've been meaning to get married. They've never got round to it. And we've had this just recently. Someone has passed away without being married and without perhaps making adequate provision for their partner. It might be that some people actually take the conscious decision not to get married if they both have adult children and grandchildren, and they say, well, it would all be too difficult. Under those circumstances, you need to think very carefully what happens to the survivor on the first death if um, the survivor does not have any legal interest in the property that you've been sharing. So if you are leaving everything, including your property, to your children or your grandchildren, you could leave your bereaved partner potentially homeless. But just a note of caution here, you do have to be careful about inheritance tax consequences if you leave them what is called a life interest in your property. So please, again, take proper legal advice. And if you have complex family situation, don't rely on a DIY will in such circumstances. And don't just leave a little note saying that you want your children to be nice to your partner if you die first. Please also think if you would want to ensure that your partner can stay in your house if you were to go into residential care. Maybe the house has to be sold to pay for your care fees, but have the conversation with them about what you want and what is financially feasible. We're sort of neatly moving on to how to make provision for my partner. As I'm a lot older than them, they must have a roof over their head. What should I do? You should really speak to them about what they would want. You need to make an appointment to speak to a solicitor and explain what you want to happen. So you would want your partner to have a roof over their head for the rest of their life. You do not want them to be turned out by your children, but ultimately you want the value of your property to pass to your children from your first marriage. The solicitor can make some suggestions. The most usual one would be to say that you leave and you have a new will drawn up and you leave what is called um, a life interest trust to the survivor, which would enable them to stay in the house. And then if the house is sold, an alternative residence can be bought for them. So that's not a problem. As I mentioned before about coming out of COVID, you will still deal with people remotely, a mix of virtual meetings as well as real meetings with clients. Can both ways of dealing with people be as effective as each other? In the absence of meeting someone face-to-face, -face, a virtual meeting is all right. I think, funny enough, it is far better to be able to meet people face-to-face -face and to sit in the same room, even if it has to be two metres or more apart from them. I think for initial meetings, Zoom and Teams can be quite useful. But I think at some point, if instructions are complex, it's very, very helpful to meet face-to-face. -face. Nothing can substitute meeting face-to-face. -face. I guess that's got a lot to do with trust and assurance and reassurance, hasn't it, in terms of how you can make people feel at ease discussing very emotional, important items. Oh, yes, and if one has a husband and wife sitting in front of one, it's much easier to pick up on difference of opinion not all couples agree with how they want their estates dealt with and it's very easy for a solicitor to pick up any awkwardness or difficulties or disagreements that might be underlying under the surface that a couple don't necessarily want to talk about in front of you but will then hopefully be very much easier to help them and come up with perhaps alternatives. By the end of the meeting hopefully they will realise that we can help them and that there are solutions to issues. So I think 
you know, we see a lot of people who who get very, very worried about this kind of thing coming to see a solicitor. But you know, we're not frightening, and we do <laughs> we do hopefully have options and solutions to difficult situations. Yes, and I can imagine that clients will feel much more at ease once they've made that approach face to face with you in the office, and it's probably much more satisfying for the client to achieve that. Yes, and you know, for all the wonders of modern technology, people do still like that personal touch. Gail, can I just pick you up again on this aspect of extra time and how you can almost make this comparison between extra time in a football match and extra time in terms of living longer and the implications of that? Absolutely. So extra time in a football match where there's everything to play for and there's a premium on fitness and being able to stay the course. And many of us nowadays are lucky enough to be living longer. And we have that extra time, but living longer is not necessarily a blessing unless it is living better for longer. And I would like to think that we can help you prepare for being alive for very much longer. And also to really try and reassure people that, you know, we can't here at Warners help you with anything to do with your health or well-being that would mean you could join in extra time in a game of football. But I do think that there might be a link, however tenuous, to some people who we do see, old and young alike, literally worrying themselves sick about having to make a will or power of attorney. Or they might be worried about adult children going through difficulties themselves, such as divorce, and wondering what might happen to their children's future inheritance. Once they have plucked up the courage to come and see us, they often feel so much better. If you are one of those people, or even if you are an organised type and not fearful of the extra time that might or might not be ahead of you, our whole team will do our very best to help and reassure you as far as we can. Okay, that's a, a nice reassuring message there, Gail. So if people want to make contact with you and want more information, how can they do that? They're very welcome to telephone me. I have a direct line, 01732 375384, or if they like IT and they use email, g.hall at warners.law. But if I'm not available, any of our team here will be delighted to help. Gail Hall, partner, private client team at Warner Solicitors. And don't forget to check out the other podcasts in this series with Warner Solicitors, which you can find on the Warner's website. Thank you for listening to this Warner Solicitors podcast. To find out more about our expert legal teams and the advice and services they deliver for both individuals and businesses, please go to warners-solicitors.co.uk.